welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fine, Yuri. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank Good. you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being here. Excellent. So I'd like to start off by having you describe yourself and what you do. I am a, a lover of words. I have been all of my life. And so every job I've ever had has had some focus on language in some way. So I'm, I've done editing. I've done writing. I've done technical editing. I've done fiction editing. Um, I've written nonfiction. So I'm just, I just love words, and I'm, I'm a writer. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So you originally studied English literature. Uh, what made you want to study English literature? Um, it, well, I went back to get a degree, I wanted to get a bachelor's degree in English because I had applied to be an editor of a children's magazine and they told me I needed to have either a journalism or an English degree. And so I went back to college and fell in love with literature and never looked back at editing children's <laughs> magazines ever again. So. Oh, wonderful. Okay, great. So you you also going to mention earlier the, about your your love of words and and stories. What? So I mean, now you've become a, a writer since then. But where did that love of say words come from? And what ultimately want to make made you want to become a writer? Well, the love of words came mainly from my dad because when I was very young and not in school yet I would go with him he was a professional photographer and he would go door to door and take pictures of kids and families and such and he would take me along and so he started with word games and you know how do you spell that word what does that word mean you know that kind of thing then my sisters taught me to read before I was uh, before I started uh, even kindergarten I was reading and by the time I was in probably third grade, I was writing short stories. So it, it's very young that I became a writer. Yeah. Oh, great. So, okay, so after you then, you, you graduated uh, with English literature, you said that you were working as a, as a children's book editor. What was your, I guess, yeah. what, what was that like? And then what did you end up doing after that? Well, after I got my bachelor's, I was actually freelance writing and editing okay. for corporations. I was never a children's book editor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about um, that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I mean, um, I've done a lot of things, but I haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I guess, like I said, I did a lot of freelance editing of, um, oh my goodness, like I, what was it, the an insurance um, Formulary, what, what is it called, that, that they do, that they, they have their, how they decide how much you get paid for insurance. I edited that for somebody, for a company. Mm -hmm. um, I've edited Rocket Science. Um, I don't, I don't ask me to write Rocket Science, but I can edit it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I've been doing that. Um, I went back 
later and got a master's in English while I was working as a full-time tech writer for SAIC in support of the Space Launch System at Marshall Space Flight System, Space Flight Center here in Huntsville, Alabama. Mm -hmm. So then I really was editing rocket science. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So t tell me what it's like to be an editor. So what goes through that that process? I mean, do you have to have an extreme technical knowledge of what the subject matter is, or is it really explaining the, I guess, the written word and like and grammatically how it's supposed to go? Well, the, it depends on what you're editing for. Um, okay. if when, when I was working at Marshall, what I mainly was looking for was um, readability, whether or not the reader could follow the logic. Um, I didn't necessarily have to understand all of the ins and outs of what they were. I mean, I, I can... <laughs> I've edited the formulas, the actual algebraic formulas that constitute like how they do the guidance systems for the launch system. Mm -hmm. and I don't have to know what all those symbols mean in order to be able to tell you that there's something missing or it looks like the greater than, less than sign is wrong because it doesn't follow. When I had that happen um, editing a reliability report where they had invert or flipped the greater than less than sign so it said that reliability had to be less than 98% and I was like um that's not what y'all want you like greater than 98% right. so they were glad I caught that so I don't have to understand everything about it but enough to make sure that it's it makes sense and if I don't know then I go ask I, I will go ask questions sure so when you were editing all of these, so like you know, working for NASA, working for this insurance company, was that, I guess, have you always been an independent editor working with a separate company, or were you also employed by NASA or a couple of these other companies to edit their uh, reports? Um, I have been I have been freelance editing. Okay. I have been employed as an editor for SAIC. Um, and that's pretty much it. I've done, you know, it's either, it's one or the other. It's usually not both. Okay. Um, I first started at, at Marshall as a, for, as a consultant through SAIC, we'll call it that. I wasn't, I was like a temporary employee of SAIC, but then NASA wanted to keep me around. So SAIC made me a full-time employee okay. and then I was a full-time contractor to uh, Marshall. Okay. But I have, I have done editing on the freelance side. Um, many times. Okay, excellent. So also along the way, you've you know you've written nonfiction books, you've written um, you know a few other types of books, romance novels, etc. What? So as someone who is an editor and, and editing these technical uh, pieces of, of work, what made you want to become uh, a a uh, nonfiction writer? Um. Well, the the first thing that happened was that my father-in-law, who was um, very much into book reviewing and that sort of thing, was approached about writing um, some children, not children's, but school-age, middle school-age books on horses. And he referred them to me to write books on dressage and jumping, mm -hmm. which I did. Those are one of the two of the first nonfiction books that I did. And then subsequent, that was work for hire. So that, that means 
that means that they paid me a certain amount of money and the publisher owns the copyright. So okay. it was, I have that as a credit, but I don't, I don't make any further money off of those. Um, that led to another set of books for the school age, middle school age uh, group on how to uh, do hobby clubs. I did hobby clubs and I did foreign language clubs at school and what they would need to do, the kinds of things they could do, that sort of thing. Um, and then all along, though, I was writing fiction. Like I said, when I was in like, third, fourth grade, I started writing short stories. And I'd written fiction all along. But I'm not a natural-born storyteller. I had to learn the art of storytelling. And it took me a long time because I got sidetracked doing all the nonfiction and the editing and the technical. And <laughs> that kind of took over my life. Yeah. Excellent. So let's, so let's talk about your very first book. What was your very first book? Um, that you like your first nonfiction book, and and what made you want to write that book first? The very first book that I wrote was a is actually a blend of historical fiction and biography, mm-hmm. and it's a collection of short stories and the biographies of nineteen girls from the eighteen hundreds who each have a landmark somewhere in our country, and I wanted to tell the story. Uh, what they did to earn them that landmark. And so I fictionalized the story, but then I also provided um, their biography, um, like where they were born, when they were born, my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. or where you can go find that landmark, that kind of thing. So Hometown Heroines was is the title, um, originally published in 2001, and then re-released in 2012 was Hometown Heroines, True Stories of Bravery, Daring, and Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book in 2014, 2015 won a gold medal from the um, Children's what is it? Children's Literary Classics Organization. Oh, wonderful! For best young adult book. So, yeah. so I'm I'm really proud of that book. Um, mm-hmm. Those stories are a lot of them are little known, um, but they're really remarkable girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they continue to influence me when I feel like I'm hitting a wall or I hit a hard spot. I think about one of the girls and the challenges they faced and what they did. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, if they could do that, then <laughs> I can do that. So. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious on what that process is like. So you, you know, you're, you're mixing historical fiction and biographies. So how did you go about, I guess, what was your process for that? So besides the fact that people knew that their, you know, their names existed and their, and some of their information about them existed, how did you create the the backstory that fit your narrative? Well, in, in doing the research, a picture of each girl would come to mind as to what they what kind of situation they were in. Um, if I had if I had ever been in anything similar to that, I would try to imagine how I would have felt, you know, given I mean the the one um, Kate Shelley she had to, she um, wanted to warn the next train before because the because the trestle had washed out and so she manufactured a, a lantern and put on her heavy raincoat because it was storming and she crawled on her hands and knees across another high trestle to get to the next station to warn them and her lantern blew out and it's raging storm and there's trees rushing down the river beneath her and I think how scary could that be you know <laughs> And then I just tried to convey that in the actual short story that I wrote, you know, the real scene of what she must have faced and confronted. 
to bring that to life for young readers so that they could maybe identify a little better. It's not just, you know, Kate Shelley went across the bridge and risked her life. It's this is what she really experienced. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And then, so then in 2014, you, you kind of switched a little bit and you started writing romance novels. What made you want to write romance novels and, and what's that like? I wanted to learn how to write romance novels because I had been reading them since I was 13. Okay. And I felt like that was something I understood fairly well as mm-hmm. to the expectations of the reader for that. And I really thought it would be easy, but I learned really quickly they're not easy to write because there are certain expectations, and and yet you want to make a unique and solid story for mm-hmm. these people to, to work their way through a relationship and fall in love. So it, it's, it was a bigger challenge than some people give it credit, <laughs> I'll tell you. But, um, so that, and I like to tell, I, I believe in the happily ever after. I'm living my own happily ever after, so I believe in that. Oh, that's wonderful. So your your romance novels, so I'm I'm they're available on on Amazon, and I'm looking at Emily's Vow right right now, and it is it's it's continuing the historical fiction that you brought up before. So why why particularly are you interested in writing historical fiction romance novels? That one's really easy. I fell in love with um, historical fiction and historical romances right after my parents took me to Calpin's Battlefield in mm-hmm. South Carolina. And I got to walk on the same ground where these, where that huge turning point of a battle happened. And that really brought the history to life, and I wanted to do that for others. And since I wanted to test my mettle on romances, yeah. it seemed fitting to do a historical romance series. And while I was studying for my bachelor's degree, I came across an essay written by Mercy, I'm going to get her name wrong, Mercy Otis Warren, I believe. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, it was not Mercy. It was, um, if, I, if I can think of it, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. Um, but there was a, an essay that was written about the fact that in the late 1700s, there was a common belief among men that if women learned too much, if they were too highly educated, they would become manlike and it could... Um, make their brain sick. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so I I wanted to bring that concept and diffuse it in my storyline. So I came up with these three women that each have something to do with um, creating um, stories or creating things and uh, show that they you know disprove that. Mm-hmm. So that's how Emily's Vow and Amy's Choice and Samantha's Secret came about. Okay. And then the publisher asked me if I could make it a fourth story to make it a series instead of a trilogy, which I did. So I added Evelyn's Promise. And then I decided to add in Elizabeth's Hope to introduce the rest of the series. So okay. you've got a novella and then the four novels. Sure. So you so you said that your, your publisher asked you to expand that. How? So are these – how is, has your publishing – journey been with these novels did you did you approach a publisher were you asked to write these novels how did that process work i approached the publisher with the trilogy concept and they did a market analysis and i looked at the books and they agreed it's a hybrid publisher so it's not like submitting to random house or something it's it's 
it's much more of a collaboration between the between e-publishing works and myself yeah. to, to get these stories out and design the covers and all of that. And they do some of the marketing and I do some of the marketing. And um, they the series tend to sell better in romance than trilogies do. So he asked me to add another book to make it a series. Okay. So and I had left enough characters in the other three stories that could have had a story told that I could do that. So that's sure. what I Okay, wonderful. Okay, so so with the process of you getting your books published and then working through it, what is that like to go from like idea to actually published book? Um, about how long does it take you to write these and then get them officially published? What is it like to pick the covers? Like, you know, for for somebody who is totally new to this and thinking, I would also like to get involved in in writing romance novels. What is that behind the scenes look like? Well, that varies depending on, on how fast you write and mm-hmm. what, what genre you write in. Um, if you're writing contemporary you can, and you're doing a shorter uh, format, you know, 40 to 50,000 words, then you can crank them. I know people that can write those in, in a month or two. Um, for the historicals that I do, I, I try to be very careful to reflect the authenticity, the authentic nature of the, the situation that my characters find themselves in so I do quite a bit of research, so that takes a little longer. So for me to write a historical romance, it was it was taking me about four to five months to write, and then have edited, and then um, getting the covers done in the book format. That takes another couple of months because when you're indie publishing or hybrid publishing, it doesn't take as long as it would if I were to go through Berkeley or go through one of the traditional publishers. Yeah. Um, but it's very freeing to be able to, well, for instance, I self-published my paranormal romances, and I'm starting a supernatural historical series that's not romance, has romantic elements, but it's not romance. It's more about a haunted roadside inn in 1821 Alabama, so it's very gothic-natured. Um, but it's very freeing to be able to say, okay, this is what I want to write, and this is how long I want it to be, this is what I want the cover to look like. Um, of course, I tap, I tap my cover artist, and I have a, a lady that does my book formatting for me because I just I'd rather spend my time researching and writing than yeah. adding the book and getting getting all that done. But once that once the files are all once I have all the files together, then I I upload. Mm-hmm. I'm available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, etc. Okay. Ooh, great. So let's say like from day one when you have an idea to the moment it's officially published, about how long on average do your books take? For my romances, it's, yeah. it takes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say eight months. Okay. Um, it could be shorter or and it could be longer, but I'm gonna say eight months. Okay, excellent. And then how do you market your books traditionally? Are there are there book signings you go to or you know besides you know obviously this podcast that we're that we're on talking about your books. How do you get the word out about what you're working on? Well, I have a newsletter um, okay. that where, where people can sign up if they want to know what's coming, where I'm going to be. I, I do go out to book signings and book conventions. Um, I'm heading to uh, Maryland uh, next month, the end of next month, for the Historical Novel Society conference and book signing. They have a reader's festival there, so I'll be there signing books. And there's some local things I do. Uh, talks at my local library branches mm-hmm. and book clubs and things like that. So I, I do get around. Um, 
a couple of years ago, my husband and I drove up to Maine to go to one. So it was a one-day thing, and we, we tacked a vacation onto it, so it yeah. made it more worthwhile to drive that far. But we had a good time, and it was a good turnout. Um, I got to meet a fan that I didn't know I even had, so yeah. that was that was a high point right there. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Thank okay. you. Yeah, okay, so so you said you're expanding into into new kind of genres. Where do you see your writing, let's say, in the next five years? Well, my, I have an agent that's shopping some historical fiction for me. It's more women's fiction. Okay. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that she's going to find a buyer. I have a, we're, we've been talking about a series of um, based on the first ladies, mm-hmm. several of them. I've written Martha Washington's story, which is a lot a lot of research and uh, very interesting to write. It's the only thing I've ever written that's in first person, which is interesting. But um, I'm hoping she can find a buyer for that series, and I have another historical um, fiction that is a World War II um, Baltimore home front story mm-hmm. that um, I'm going to have edited next month and hope to have either give that back to my agent or self-publish it sometime in the near future. Sure. So I, I like the historical fiction. I like that even more than the romance, but, mm-hmm. but and even, like I said, the supernatural historical has romantic elements because I just that's just part of me. Yeah. So. Is there one of these that you write that resonates more with your readers and sells better, or is it just, or is that not as as much of a um, a push for you right now? I'm I'm right now I'm trying to get the word out that my books are out there. It's a it's really it's a difficult time to get visibility. So I have found that when I talk about what I do and the characters and the situations that I get more interest. So um, I'm hoping to gain more visibility. But the the hybrid publisher for my the historical romances they're American Revolution, okay, uh, um, set in Charleston. So I think of them as my Charleston series. Um, Evelyn's Promise was had a, a, a discounted price back in January and actually made Amazon bestseller list for that category that her book was in. So, oh, great. That was cool. I became a bestselling author that month. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. So I think I'm gaining some traction. I think I'm getting some visibility. And the more I get, then I'm hoping that the more people will check out my books and see if they like them too. Yeah, definitely. Well, congratulations about being a best-selling author. That's amazing. Thank you. So because of the fact that you you tap into so many different genres and so many different areas and go from technical writing to historical fiction writing, how, how do you, I guess, approach those times when maybe you're you're putting a foot into a new market and you feel a little bit fearful and you feel maybe unsure of, whether or not you can jump into that category. How do you approach fear in those instances and overcome them? Um, trying a new category isn't fearful for me. Um, I I just love what I write. I wouldn't write it if I didn't. Um, so I just hope others will like it as much, as, mm-hmm. or at least like it, <laughs> yeah. like it as much or not. Um, so I don't know that, that it's fear so much as um, an uncertainty about how to proceed uh, that I have to work through. So my husband will tell you, I'm always saying, I got to go figure out something else now. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something new to figure out as an author, um, some technology or some 
angle or how, how do you write a certain, um, for instance, in writing Martha Washington's story, there's a conversation that I have included between Martha and three different Georges, because they were all friends, George Washington, George Mason, and George Fairfax, and they all lived in the same area of Mount Vernon in, in Virginia, and so they would have gotten together on occasion, but how do I have a conversation between them and distinguish them so that the reader knows which George? So that there's always something that has to be figured out. So there's always that uncertainty, more so than fear, I think. I, I don't yeah. get afraid of it very much. Okay, well, that's good to know. So let's actually just mention that. How do you do that? So you've got three Georges, historical figures. How do you keep track of which George is supposed to speak in which style and would say, you know, certain words? In on your like in your system, how do you keep tabs on that? How do you organize your thoughts so that it, it does make a logical and and, and uh, progresses accordingly? Well, in that scene, I just I just put myself in Martha's place and figured out how she might have referred to her husband versus Lord Fairfax versus George Mason. So I just, you know, said she would talk about her husband and then she would talk about Lord Fairfax, you know, that kind of thing. So, so the reader can distinguish them. I have no clue, obviously, how Martha actually <laughs> addressed these three Georges. Um, yeah. She might have had pet names for them, but I don't know what they are, what it would have been. So... <laughs> You know, anything's possible. We don't we don't know every detail of the historic figures that, that we read about. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Do you ever get writer's block? And if so, how do you push past it? I get procrastination is what I get. <laughs> it's, it's, I know what I need to write, but I don't want to do it. Okay. It's an sure. interesting thing, and it seems like it happens more as I get towards the end of the book. And I, I, I heard one explanation could be that it's you don't want to let go of the characters, but that's not always true because I'm writing a series, so those characters are going to come back. Mm -hmm. So I just I, I think I start getting into sort of a self-doubt about did I tell this story as well as I could, you know, and then I start second-guessing myself. So that uncertainty comes back again sure. um, to bite me in the butt. <laughs> um, you know, it's I, I don't typically get... I don't, it's not that I don't know what I need to write. I usually have the scenes mapped out before I start writing. Mm -hmm. As far as what needs to happen in the scene, I don't have every detail, every bit of dialogue figured out, but I have, I have a, an outline, enough of an outline that I can, I know that, like when I sit down to write tomorrow, I can, I'm going to read the scene description that I have and who's in it and how they're supposed to be feeling and then I'll just start writing it. So okay. it's, I don't. That's why I don't get the block. I think is because I figure that out before I sit down to write. Sure. So as as someone who's written series, how do you know when you're done with a book, and do you map out your series ahead of time, or or do they just at the end of the book do you feel like this is enough for right now? Now I'll just start an, another book in this series, or how do you approach all of that? Okay, um, so when I sat, when I decided I was going to write the Fury Falls In series, I sat down and I figured out what the overarching story goal is. Um, and then I figured out each of the, the books that would need to happen to get to that story goal. I don't have 
every I don't even have an outline for book two. I just finished book one, okay. uh, The Haunting of the Fury Thalsian. I know I have the titles for all six books. I have core conflict of what's going to happen in each of those six books, and I know the main characters in those six books. Now that I finished book one, I can sit down and flesh out book two, which will also start to help me flesh out book three, because I, I need to keep this uh, a thread going between them. Um, for every element when you're writing, every scene and every chapter and every book in a series in particular, um, you need to have a hook at the end of each of those elements so that your reader wants to turn the page or get the next book. And so I want to make sure I have those figured out before I sit down to write. Okay. Good to know. Is that, is that yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm always curious to hear how, how writers, like their, their process and how they organize things and think long term like that. So right. with, with everything that you've done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? Write the story you want to read. That's the best advice I've ever received. Write the story you want to read. Because we each have our own way of telling a story. And mm -hmm. we each have our own stories to tell. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second best advice was to have something to say. What are you trying to say with what you're reading? So have, have a, you know, a story goal. Um, okay. I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a morale. Sure. Something you want to say. Um, for instance, the for the Fury Falls In series, my overarching shortcut name for a theme for that series is Unconditional Love of Family Leads to Happiness. Okay. And that does not mean that they're happy all the way through this series. But at the end of the series, they figure that out. Mm -hmm. So so that's what I'm I'm trying to convey through what happens in each book in the series. Okay. Wonderful. Well Betty Again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. This was fantastic. If the listeners would like to buy your books, get a hold of you, read more of your writing, where is the best place they can go to do that? My website is bettybolte.com, and you can find all of my books listed there, including excerpts and links to go buy them if you so choose. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I will make sure I put all of those notes in the show notes. So people can click right through. Okay. Can I mention one last thing? Yes, please do. Okay. Um, um, as I've been doing the research for the Fury Falls Inn series, I have been also blogging about what I have learned about Alabama history on my blog at BettyBolte.net. So if anybody's curious about little tidbits of the history that I've been uncovering, um, feel free to hop over there and maybe follow that blog too. Sure. Excellent. I will make sure I put that in there as well. And, and hopefully the readers and try the listeners <laughs> will go and click right through and, and read about what you've discovered about Alabama history. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.